Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah! Are you sure? You know, it's going to be funny when what we're singing starts to happen. People saying things over the years, but I don't know if they really wanted to happen what they were singing. Amen. Consume me, God. We want you, God. Does a man or woman really know what he's saying when he says that? You know, if, if devils can possess people, why can't God possess people? Demonic possession. What about Holy Ghost possession? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> that would scare most churches. We want you, God. Come and consume us. Come and take over. Come and have your way. Those are dangerous words to say because he might just do it. Amen. Lord, even so, come. Come and do it, Lord. Come and have your way, Lord. Come. God, we're sick and tired of our ways. God, we're ready for your way, Lord. God, come and show us what your way looks like, God. Come and invade us, Lord God. Invade us, Lord. Invade this building. Invade the premises, Lord God. Invade this city. Invade this community, God. Invade this county, Lord. Invade this state. Invade this nation, God. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered across the land, God. Hey! Woo! Come on, heaven. We want you, Lord. We want you. We want you, Lord. We want you. We want you, Lord. We don't need another job. We don't need another husband. We don't need another wife. We don't need more children right now. We don't need a new car, God. We don't need a new house. But we need you, God. We need you to show up, Lord. Your word says, seek you first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, God. So, God, we come to seek you, God. We come to seek your kingdom. We come to seek your invasion, Lord. We declare we can't do it, God. We've tried man's best ways, God. We've tried man's incorporation. We've tried to make the church successful like the world, like some business, God. But we can't do it, God. But by your spirit, not by our power, nor by our might, but by your spirit. By your spirit, God. We want preeminence, God, of the Holy Ghost to be on the front and center in the name of Jesus to be lifted up high. God, we're not concerned with our ways or our comfort, God. We're not concerned with our wants. But God, we're concerned with the Holy Spirit having his way again for the wind of God to blow where he wants to blow and how he wants to blow and do what he wants to do. 
We give you glory and praise, Lord. You're worthy, God. Whoa. Thank you that we're living in such a time as this, God. Thank you that we're going to behold your glory, God. As the seas, as the waters cover the ocean, so the Holy Spirit would cover the earth. The glory of the Lord would cover the earth, Lord. Where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more, God. Let this lost, broken, and dying world see a risen, all-powerful Messiah. Woo! Mm. Let them see a spotless church, God. Let them know there's a place of rescue that they can come to, God. Let them know there's a place where cancer has to die, God. Sickness, disease, affliction, and torment has to go, Lord. Anxiety, fear, and depression has to go, Lord. Ha-ha, divorce has to go. There's hospitals in town, but it's not the one they think it is. Woo! (laughs) The doctor is in. Night and day. Even makes house calls. Woo! Mm. Jesus. Jesus. Lord, we bless you, Lord. Woo, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo. <laughs> Just make yourselves comfortable, however that is. <laughs> if you want to play, you can play. If you, don't, if you want to go, you can go. Thank you very much. Amen. It's awesome. And it's been a real blessing to get to spend, I think it was last weekend, times kind of didn't. Weren't we all together last weekend up there in that revival house? And you kind of get to know each other when people's rolling around the floor and inspecting the tables. And, and you can't, I mean, you can't even eat a meal with them. You go to pray over the meal and everything starts happening. Woo. So, God, we're just waiting for it to break out in restaurants and homes and more homes, God. Whoa. So it's, it was a real blessing to get to know one another better. Brother Robert, Miss Dana, and Barbara, and Apostle Angie, and Pastor Tim, and if I missed your name, I'm sorry, but it's, it's been a blessing to spend time together and, and uh, just get to know more about what's happening. Whoa. Mm. <laughs> you know, it would be okay for the church to have fun a little bit. Amen. You know. It's okay for the church to be happy. I mean, there's nothing in the Word of God about being sad all the time. There is time of crying and brokenness over sin, but after you're broke over it, we, sh- we shouldn't continually stay in that state of mind because now we realize a price has been paid for our sin, and we've, the old man is dead, that old man that's broken and anxiety and depression and And everything else now, that man is dead. And there's a brand new man that's alive in Christ Jesus. And hallelujah, my my destination has changed. It's not hell anymore. It's heaven. And that's something to be excited about. So we we got reason to be excited. I mean, things will go on on this earth. Stuff happens. But we learn we're not driven by our emotions anymore. We're driven by what God says. We're driven by His Spirit. We're driven by a purpose and a destiny to see heaven come to earth. And uh, things that happen are just little 
struggles that get in the way for us to fulfill the purpose of God. And it's just part of the journey. And it's amazing when those struggles come to see God show up and take care of things. Amen. Woo! That's what's, that's what's cool. That's what's awesome in the journey is when you've kind of throwed your hands up and that's when God shows up and takes care of things. You know, to be driving a truck out in the desert when we were working with the Native Americans, we had a one-ton truck and had one of the tires blow out just outside of the phone range and everything, so we're stuck on the side of the road and have another couple stop in a truck and help us change the tire and then send us a check to buy all new tires. I mean, what you think is a bad thing, you're stuck out here in the desert with a flat tire and you can't go nowhere. Somebody stops, helps you get tires put on it, then says, how much do you think a set of tires would be? And they buy you all brand new tires. Oh, glory. So it's part of the journey. If you wouldn't ever stopped and those things wouldn't happen, you wouldn't ever connected. You just don't know what's going to happen. And that's why we got to get up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made. And I shall rejoice and be glad in it. It's going to be good, no matter if the septic tank's plugged up a little bit. Pastor Tim. (laughs) Hey, my microwave blew up before I came here. My car engine check light came on. Praise God. When that stuff happens now, you just say, oh, man, revival's about to happen. This is just part of revival. The devil don't like it. Woo, too bad. We just keep on going. So when those things show up, you know, the Bible says, says he's working things out for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So when something, when the microwave blows up, he's working something for the good. I know these are simple things that might not seem like that much, but it just shows who God is. And, you know, it's like when, when, we're, when things are going really bad, we got to, we, we can't, we can't get in that valley of despair and stay there because we got to look over that valley on the other side where it says, He's working things for your good. Keep looking at that sign. And don't look at that sign down there saying He's trying to destroy you, but look at that sign that says, He's working things for my good. And usually if we'll hang around long enough, it turns out good. We're like, man, I'm glad I didn't do what I wanted to do. So it's awesome to be here tonight. Uh, I'm just overwhelmed. And I want to turn to Mark chapter 8. Woo! <laughs> and, you know, this iPad does have scripture. It's just blowed up so I can read it. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. I think Pastor Robert already said, don't get offended. God's about to do some things that you might not understand. We might have to put seatbelts in the pews. (laughs) People be sliding out on the floor. (laughs) What would people can't think if they came in a church and there were seatbelts in the pews? (laughs) <laughs> just tell them hang on you'll find out in a minute while they're there 
Whoa. Somebody's got to start the party. God said he's going to do things different than he's done before. We want to do it his way. Amen. More, Lord. More, Lord. Sarabo Koriandarabashata. Seba Baba Randorabo Sata Kariandorabashata. Sakata. Baptize us in fire, Lord. And the Holy Ghost. Sarabo Koriatarabashata. Bamba Rabo Sokuriataraba Kariandorabashatarabo Sanda. Herobo Sokuriatarabashata. Put weight to your words, Lord. Ha Raba Kariandorabasha. Woo. Mark 8:22 Come on heaven. Come on heaven. Come on heaven. Sata, breathe on us God. Breathe on us Lord. Satar the numa, the breath of God, the spirit of God. The spirit of God, Lord. Arabo satarabo kariandarabashata. Lord, we just don't want to go through more messages and more services, God. We are asking for heaven to show up, God, in full display. Come, come use us to display your glory and your goodness and your mercy, God, and your grace, God. Put your people on display. Show the world, God. Do us like, you, like Job, Lord, God. He, Satan went before God and... How about your servant, Job? Job didn't have a lot of choice, but he allowed to be a trophy for God. Woo. God said, go ahead. Satan did everything he could but kill him. And I believe at the end, God was saying, ha ha, na 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 na. Look at my man, Job, now. And even through that situation, God said, before I knew God, but now I've seen him. So a lot of times when we go into trials, we, uh, you know, we knew about God. That's what I think he said. He knew about God. But at the end of it all, he said, now I've seen him. Well, that changes things. And God didn't leave him in despair. He blessed him more than double what he had before. Woo. Mm. Hallelujah. So Jesus is talking, or Jesus in Mark 8 says, Then he came to Bethesda, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. And he put his hands on his eyes again, and he made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Hallelujah. Man, this is a really good revival scripture, isn't it? Woo, hallelujah. So he, he got the blind man. That's kind of like the church. We're waiting for the veil to be taken off to really see what God has for us. Because all creation is crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. So there must be something that's not happening yet that's supposed to happen. I believe creation is still crying out. Still crying out. Say, oh God, 
Let the manifestation happen. Let them rise up and be what you've called them to be. Let them fulfill their destiny. Let them fulfill the word of God. Raise them up, God. They're waiting. Take the blinders off of them, Lord. Open their eyes to see. We walk around in despair and oh, oh is me a lot of times. And not, you know, it's, it's sad not to, to uh, grab hold of everything that's available that God has for us. It's like people I've heard asked about praying for them and they said, well, I'm, you know, I'm getting by. I'm doing okay. And, uh, but really some of those people in Africa, they're the ones that need healing. I'm thinking, you don't think God's big enough to heal you and them too? You need to raise your expectation on how big God is. And I think sometimes we feel like that is uh, humility. We're being humble. But Jesus paid a high price. They tied him to a whipping post and they beat stripes on his backs. Not so one or two people could be healed so that all could be healed. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. God, wake us up that we see what you have for us, God. That we'll press in and lay hold of everything that's available in the kingdom of God. I don't want to get to heaven one day and they take me to a room somewhere and say, here's the stuff you could have had. Here's the miracles that were available. Here's the souls that you would have reached. Come on. Man, God's got something for every one of us to accomplish on this earth. The enemy wants to keep us so confounded and down and focused on ourselves to keep us away from fulfilling the destiny that God has. You know, the scripture says, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaken, and running over. I have people that say, well, why would you want to go to the mission field when there's so many people in America that need ministry also? And I agree, there are. Even in our own community, sometimes our own neighbors But the scripture says if you give, and I think if you give somewhere else, if you go somewhere else, when you go, he's going to give back to where you came from. I think it works when you've got children that are running astray, and you reach out and help somebody else's child. God said, okay, that's good. Now I'm going to take care of yours. See, he's trying to teach us to have the mind of Christ. Everything on this world is turned upside down from the mind that Christ has. This world says you can't give, you got to hoard, you can't help nobody. You can't help them up the ladder. You need to knock them down the ladder so you can get to the top of the ladder. God says help people push them up the ladder and I'll take you up the ladder. It's a different mindset and God's in the, in the motion of changing our mindset and there's only one way it can be done and it's by His Spirit. Woo! Because really it bypasses our minds in here kicks in gear and we hadn't prayed up and read up our mind will get in the way so they brought a blind man to him and he begged and they begged him to touch him you know they wanted to do it their way just bring him over here and okay Jesus touch him and he'll be healed but Jesus had another plan and it's amazing it says he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town why didn't he just heal him right there been a lot simpler. That's why a lot of people say, well, bless God. Uh, we could have revival right here or right there. We don't, you don't have to get in a car and drive nowhere. You don't have to go somewhere else. We can just have it right here. And I agree, you could. Some places I've been, I was like, yeah, you could. 
But you ain't having it right here. So if I hear it's happening, I'm going to go see what's happening. I just, you know, I just want to see. It does something inside of you just to see God moving. Like, whoa, yeah. It does something. A man set me down and, uh, years ago and let me watch some of David Hogan's tapes, the early tapes, uh, Faith to Heal the, I mean, Faith to Raise the Dead. And he showed me one of them and I watched that and I'm like, oh my gosh. And he said, Are you, do you want to watch another one? He said, I've had some friends over here said, no, I can't take no more. I'm like, yeah, you got more of those? Praise God. Let's put it in. I want to see some more because I'm thinking, this guy's an apostle. That means there's still apostles today. He's doing the stuff. I mean, it brought hope inside of me before I even knew God had called me in that direction. I'm like, oh, man, if they're still out, if, there's, if somebody can have it, it's still available for everybody to have what God's given if somebody's getting healed, it's still available for others to be healed. So when somebody has a breakthrough, it's a breakthrough for everybody. I mean, when Browns, Brownsville had revival, it was a breakthrough for churches all over the United States and all over the nation to begin to have revival. When revival broke out on Azusa Street for those 10 years from 1900 to 1910, there was revival going on all around the world. So if somebody can get a breakthrough, it's not just for that body, it's for the body. Amen. So God, let us, let us press through, let us punch through, or let somebody punch through to get a hold of heaven so that we can get in for the ride. So he took the blind man, led him by the hand, and led him out of town, took him out to a place he was unfamiliar with. I mean, most people, you, you understand if somebody's been blind and they're living in their house, they eventually figure out how to get around the house, and they've got it memorized. I mean, they're more sensitive to things, and they can walk all around the house and do whatever they need to do, probably as good as a person that sees. But if you take them out away from their comfort zone, out away from what they're used to, guess what? It's going to be trouble. So why did Jesus take this man? He led him out of town. He's probably didn't know. I mean, now he's just like... Where are we going now? I've never been out here. I haven't had a chance to see what's out here. Where's he taking me? So, I mean, this blind man trusted Jesus just to take him by the hand and take him somewhere he'd never been to do something that's never been done to him before. Is the church ready for Jesus just to grab us by the hand and take us somewhere we've never been before and do something inside of us that's never been done before? To lead us out into an area that's unfamiliar. I mean, some of us, what's going on is familiar, but some of you, this may not be familiar. He's doing things we're not familiar with. Oh, and it's really just getting started. It may get a lot more unfamiliar. It may get a lot more uncomfortable. It, you know, to say that anybody has fi uh, revival figured out is crazy. Because you don't know how the wind's going to blow. You really don't know what's going to happen. All your, I think somebody that's seasoned in revival, all they know how to do, maybe somewhat, is when the wind blows, they get their sail out and go with it. Wherever you're going, God, that's where I'm going. Take me. A lot of people stand around and watch the wind blow and keep their sail in and say, ah, I don't know, let's let it blow for a while and see if that's a real wind or not a real wind. Or maybe it's too windy for me today. This wind will sink my ship 
I believe this is about to turn into a storm. Only a fool would get out there now. I mean, that's why I go. When I was a kid in high school, I used to go surfing. We lived in South Carolina. Guess what we prayed for? Hurricanes. Because the East Coast didn't have that big of waves like Hawaii. I mean, we read the magazines about, oh, them guys got the pipeline and stuff. We got these little waves about this high over here. So when the hurricanes were coming, everybody's leaving, and a few surfers are going. Get out there at the beach, and you're looking like, whoo, man. I stood on the beach with a surfboard, and the wind's blowing 50 miles, 60 miles an hour straight down the beach. feels like you're being sandblasted. And we're headed, we go, the, the pier's here, and the, the riptide's so bad, we go like a mile that way, so when we paddle out, we won't go into the pier so quick. But we're looking for that. Let's go after it. And we're stupid. You paddle all day, and you can't hardly get out to where the surf's at. It's so rough. By the time we got out, we're down by the pier. I mean, it was pretty much a total disaster. Wiped out. <laughs> but if you never try it. And so that's, I mean, God's, it's, it's like waves. Sometimes they're big. Sometimes, I mean, you're not in control anymore. Things are happening. You may be stuck to the floor, stuck to the wall, laying down, crying, weeping, laughing. Stuff's happening, and that's just stuff I know of. There's more stuff than that. A lot of stuff's going to happen. People are going to get mad, you know. When you start glowing, people start. Some people think they're called to be critics. I had a man in my church, and his wife told me later, said, well, that's his gift from God is to find out what's wrong. I don't have no trouble finding out what's wrong. I know what I'm doing wrong. I need to help somebody get me fixed and going right. I need somebody who has an answer to the things I'm dealing with. I don't need somebody to point out the, all the bad points I'm dealing with. In fact, I don't even read that gift in the Bible. Anybody can figure out what's wrong. That's what's figuring out what's right. Where do we need to go? What do we need to do? That's what takes. And who's going to pick up the ball and run with it? A lot of us sometimes know what to do in our mind, but we never step out to do anything about it. Because if I step out to lead, everybody's going to look at me, and especially if I miss it. Aha, I told you. Just like Peter on the boat. He's the one while everybody else got their life jackets on. I know they probably didn't have life jackets back then, but we're updating and modernizing Peter's journey. So everybody's in the boat, you know. The storm's blowing. The waves are blowing. They see Jesus. They're terrified. Oh, it's a ghost. And they finally say, is that you, Lord? Yeah, it's me. Be a good cheer. It's okay. Peter says, bid me to come out there too. Let me come. Everybody else in the boat. Peter, shut up. Peter, shut up. You're about stupid, man. You can't walk on the water. Who do you think you are? And that's where most of the church is at. What do you th how do you think? You can't heal the sick. You can't raise the dead. You can't open blind eyes. You can't travel to foreign lands and preach the gospel. You can't. It's always a constantly you can't. When the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You can't go into that part of the community. That's a bad area of town. That's where we need to be at. Man, I just I read a little bit and watched a, a video. Somebody told me about Mama Mary Jenkins. Anybody heard of her? I never had either. She was 
three years old, her dad went overseas working in England, and her dad wound up in a church building where Smith Wigglesworth prophesied over him. Pretty radically. Because he came in the room and sat down. He was an African-American man. And Smith said, boy, come up here. And he's a big guy. He's like, who's he calling boy? And they had a little confrontation. He brought him up there. And he said, said something to him. And he said, he started naming off his children. He named three children. He said, you've got a baby that's named. And now he says, you've got a baby. You've got four children. He said, I don't have four children. He said, yeah, you do too. He said, no, I don't. He named all of his children, gave them his names, all of them, even the fourth one who he didn't realize had been born three days ago because he's in England, there back in the United States. He names them off and tells it. And then he says that third one's a girl named so-and-so, named Mary Jenkins, said stop whipping her. He's whipping her because she was telling him when she was in her bedroom a man was coming through the wall and talking to her. Jesus. Telling her stuff, and she's telling her dad, and he said, stop doing that. Stop. Your imagination is spanking her. Three years old. He told her there's anointing on her and a calling on her to do special things, and wound up she mentored under Smith Wigglesworth for a while. Well, she's in, in New York City in a, in a park, and a gang of motorcycle riders surrounded her, and they were going to mob her and rob her. She started praying. And all of them were slain in the spirit. And all their motorcycles fell to the ground. She made them stay on the ground until every one of them got born again. Said the sinner's prayer. And then she said, you're not getting up till you swear that you're going to be preachers. Come on. I mean, there's more for us to have. We're going up for a little dabble to me. Most of us are coming to an altar so we can get by tomorrow. We need more than getting by tomorrow. God's wanting to, to shake a nation. If you're a millennial in here, man, you know, being a grandparent, God, something's got to shift in our nation. I praise, thank God for our president. He's doing all he can. But it's got to take more than that. It's got to take more than an act of Congress or the House or the president or the Supreme Court. It's going to take an act of heaven to move in and change the hearts of men. Because we're at a standstill and a debate. And what they need is an encounter with God that will change their lives. And if we're waiting for the revival to start in the Congress, the Senate, The house, we're waiting in the wrong place. There's a house it's supposed to start in, and it's God's house. This is the pillar and the the ground of truth, the house of God, the people of God, the preachers of God. God, I pray, God, light the pulpits on fire. Let's let's stop Billy bopping around, uh, beating around, having a hostess Twinkie cupcake sermon. God, feed us. Get some men and women of God that will feed some steak to us, that will tell us how it is. That'll stir us up on the inside. That'll bring some courage and some backbone back into the church again. That we ain't just milling around, keeping silent. Got a blindfold on. Oh, I hope I don't offend you or hurt your feelings. I don't want to say nothing about Jesus. Because you might get upset. Lord, give us the fire, Jeremiah, that I can't help but speak because there's fire in my bones. It's causing me a lot of pain. People are persecuting. The king keeps locking me up. But I can't help myself. i got to keep talking about God. Jesus. 
Man, you can talk about God today, just don't say Jesus. If you don't think there's something powerful about Jesus, just go in places and say his name. You can say you talk to God, that's okay. You can say you pray in, in, uh, in the name of God, but just don't say you pray in the name of Jesus. Don't try to be a chaplain in the military and talk about Jesus. It's okay, all God needs is one or two. Woo! All he needs is a few. If two or more agree on any one thing, our Father in heaven will come down and do something. What we got to do is start agreeing on something bigger than us. It's amazing. And I, I heard a preacher say this a long time ago. And he, he'd just come off of a long fast. And he was at a tent meeting up in um, South Dakota. And he said, it's amazing. When I go overseas, people over there that don't have nothing, they're praying for revival in their nation. They're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He said, I come to America and people are praying, I need a new car. I need a new house. I need some new clothes. I need a new job. It seems like it's all about what they need. It's amazing. Go to a third world country and it's about what they want to see. Revival, awakening, the power of God come. Sweep over the land. I was over in India with these 10 young men. They were amazing young guys from about 14 years old to probably about 24 years old. After a couple of days of meetings, and they were there, we all slept in the church together and stuff. And they came to me, and they said, most everybody had left, Pastor, we will do what a hundred pastors will do. Ten young people. No shoes on their feet. We want to go preach the gospel to Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Africa. We must go preach the gospel around the world. I thought, you guys don't even have shoes on your feet. But you got a heart to go preach around the world. So I started calling the mighty men. I didn't have a bucket of water, so I got my diaper, diaper wipes. That's good stuff to take overseas to wash your hands and your face. You know, those bags of packs of wipes. So I got my wipes out, and I washed their feet. And for them to have some American wash, I mean, they were just sweeping. Then they, brought it, they found a bucket, and they washed my feet. I said, these young men are going to, this is the attitude we have to have. See, God's way, I mean, God's going to do stuff, but it's when people get the right, we've got to get the right attitude, God. Because people think revival is an accident, and, and there's times where the wind of heaven blows in places, but if they're not set and prepared and have the right attitude, it blows in and it blows out. But I believe if God can find people with the right mindset, that this is more than about just us. It's about changing and transforming. And the mindset also that God is able. God is able. And that's why I love to read histories of revival. Because you see where God came in and changed whole nations. So it's available. It's been done before. He can do it again. He said in the last days I'll do greater things than ever done before. And he said those who believe in me and walk with me. They'll do greater things than I've done. He's just looking for some men and women that will stand up and say, okay, God, here we are. We're the ones, God. We're the ones. Whatever it costs, whatever we got to do, Lord, we want to see it. I mean, what else? A lot of us have had to, the things that this earth offers to make us satisfied. We've got nice cars, and we've got some money in the bank, and we've got houses to live in. But I'm telling you, there's something else we're ready to go for now. It was amazing at Brownsville. 
that a third of the students that were in the, in the Bible school down there were those that were over 45 years old, professional people, engineers, doctors, lawyers, nurses, sold their house, sold their businesses, everything, and went to Bible school. Because they realize there's something more that I haven't grabbed a hold of. There's something deep inside of me that's calling me, that's pulling my chain. Man, that's why we need awakening because people know something's inside of them, but they don't have the, mm, the willpower, the determination, the dunamos, the power to bring change, the power to make some decisions that everybody's going to look at you and say, you're flipping out of your mind. You're selling your house and your business and everything, and you're going down there to go, what are you going to do after school? I don't know. Now, I think that's why people in third world is because they really don't have nothing to lose. There's nothing to give up. They don't have nothing. They got a grass hut. Hopefully there's a well somewhere in the city they can pump water out of. So they really don't have nothing to lose. And unfortunately in America, it seems like we have too much to lose. Too much to give up. We live in the greatest nation in the world, the most prosperous nation in the world. Why, why do we have the most prescription-pilled people in the world? Why do we have more anxiety, fear, and depression? Maybe because there's a calling inside of us from God that we know we're not fulfilling it, and our spirit is grieved inside of us because we won't do what thus saith the Lord God is telling us to do. Now, I'm not telling everybody to quit their job and go to Africa, but I'm saying if God is dealing with us on the inside... Be careful about saying, come and consume me, Lord. I quit a job at a paper mill. Didn't even have a church to go to. God finally led me to a little Assembly of God church. I went from paper mill pay and benefits to $50 a week. Oh, well. There was great joy. Woo! Like, man, who cares? Who cares if I got to live in this roach-infested house we got over here? Who cares? I'm doing the will of God. I'm doing the will of God. And man, that just starts the journey. Then you go from here to there, but who cares? The, thing, the enemy has us confused to think that things will satisfy. And things are nice, but in the end, they won't satisfy. What satisfies is knowing and doing the will of God. No matter where it's going on at, no matter what the hardship, if God's told you, I want you to be there, man, you can have great joy there knowing that you're doing the will of the Father. Man, I'm fulfilling God's will and purpose for my life. That's what makes revival so exotic and wild and crazy is people start doing stuff that seems like it's off the hinge. Are you crazy? What are you doing? Because our natural mind says that's stupid. Even after I got in the church, then God spoke to me to ride a bicycle across America. My presbyter, people, ministers were calling, the superintendent called my presbyter and said, can't you talk him out of this? It's crazy. And uh, my presbyter said, I'm just glad he didn't call me to ride a bicycle. <laughs> he would look pretty funny on one. Woo. That don't mean it ain't hard at times. Here's, here's one of the secrets to knowing. Because when you do these things, you have to know that you've heard from God. You can't just have a, well, I think I ought to do this. No, you need to know that God has spoken to you. 
Because if you jump out and do something and God's not spoken to you, somewhere down the road when the hardships show up, you'll bail out. See, I was sitting in my shower when God said, this is what I want you to do. Ride a bicycle across America and pray over state capitals. That's all I needed. When I'm in the middle of Montana and there's no people around, there's just cows. You're riding 100 miles. You don't even go through a town. So you just preach to the cows. I did. There's one place we rode and all this whole herd of cows followed us all the way down through there. Until they finally got to a fence that stopped them. And I was saying, repent, you must be born again. You can get some practice. You don't have to always be in a pulpit. There's a lot of places to practice. Cows can't get mad at you. They were probably just happy to see somebody too. <laughs> hey, there's a human. But when you hear from God, when God says, you know in your spirit, God has said, you can do it. Regardless of the cost. He led this man out into an uncomfortable place. And I'd say any church that's going in revival, God's leading them in an uncomfortable place. It's a place many times will be the ridicule of the town. People talk about, why are you at church multiple times a night? What are you doing? You know, it's amazing. The first time I came back from Brownsville and I came in and we had our students because uh, we had a Christian school. And I just put on a CD and we worshiped during the chapel service. And I started praying. And, man, they just fell out. We had about 20 kids. They fell out everywhere. And then that night, they wanted to come back and pray. Their parents brought them back one or two nights, and then their parents started getting mad at me. I can't believe my kids want to come back up here and pray. And I'd shake my head. I'm thinking, what in the world? You got them in a Christian school, and, and you are concerned because they want to come pray? I mean, as a pastor, I almost sinned. You know, and I thought, yeah, they, you take them to the roller skating ring. You take them to play ball six times a week. I, I had parents that would sit outside in their car while their kids, 8, 12, 14, would come inside and pray. And their, their parents called themselves Christians. Some of them went to my church. So it causes us to be Uncomfortable. He lead us out into a place that we're not sure about. Woo. To me, that's a good place to be. He took him by the hand and led him out of town. And now, you know, why did God put these scriptures? We, we talk about obeying the word of God. And here God takes this blind man, this blind man standing out there. And he hears this. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's a little weird. I mean, how many people? We're going to have a spit anointing tonight. <laughs> people just be running to the altars. I want in. So 
So when stuff happens to us, it's not that unusual. It happened in the Bible. That's what amazes me. People get so upset and upside down and oh I don't know about that I'm like man Jesus was spitting in people's faces putting his fingers in their ears and stuff spitting on the ground rubbing the mud and I mean putting mud in a blind person's eyes are you crazy yep you better hope they get healed (laughs) if they don't it's not going to be good Lawsuit. That's why you go overseas and preach and do that stuff. No lawsuits. They just kill you. I had a friend in Pakistan. He'd go into a village and say, if you come out tonight, the blind are going to be healed. And if they're not healed, you can shoot me. He's still alive. Now to help you pray, too. Oh, Jesus. What did I just say? That's how they would go evangelize villages. You can kill me if that sick don't get healed. He said it never failed. God always healed them. Wow. Wow. See, that's, that's why we have to have, that's why we have to have the dunamis, the power. That's why we need the glory. Because I mean, a a natural person gets drunk on whatever beer, alcohol, whatever they're drinking. Most of them, their courage goes up to the level of stupid. Now they're fighting people they wouldn't normally fight. If he's in their right mind, ain't no way I'm saying a bad word to that dude. He's twice as big as I am. You get drunk, hey, come over here. I had a friend, he would do that in the Navy. He said, the first guy over here knocked me out. Knocked me off the table down on the floor. Two weeks later, I'd be back in there standing on the table. Hey, you big ones come one at a time. You little ones come fast as you can get here. First big one, knock him off again. Well, that's a counterfeit to the real thing. To be filled with the Spirit. So you're saying, okay, you big devils, you about to go right now. Okay, God, you want me to go over there? I remember Brownsville one time standing outside of a restaurant talking to three Marines who were drunk. And they weren't real happy with Jesus. We had a bus we were waiting to get on. And they said, we're trained to kill people. I said, I'm trained to raise them from the dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. No guts, no glory, no newsletter story. David Hogan says that stuff. You got to get drunk enough you don't care. I mean, you just some, some people need three or four days on the carpet just tore up. Because it, it isn't just about what we're feeling. It's about God doing something inside of us that he's taken away that inhibition. He's trying to wash our mind from the mindsets of the world that are always thinking of taking the, if I take this risk, we're always measuring the risk factor. Well, what's it going to cost me if I do this? What's going what's to happen if I say this? Jesus tells you, talk to that person. You go, man, I don't know there's people around here. I don't know what she's going to say. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, that's the first thing that comes. Is I don't, I'm, I'm, You're wondering about what are the risks going to be? What's going to happen here? But, boy, if we just immediately begin to do it. And the thing is, along the way, there will be some people who just tell you off. They don't want no prayer. They don't want you around. But what about that one that says, please pray for me? 
Miss, Miss Tammy, who I've been, and Tim, who I've been staying with a couple of days, she said she was running the bookstore uh, for the handmaidens, end-time handmaidens. She, she lived with them and served with them for a pretty good while, two times. She said, I'd run the bookstore, and every day I'd pray, God, send somebody through here that I can talk to. And one day it was raining, and God spoke to me. He said, there's a woman across the road in the phone booth over there. You know how long back that was. And he, she said, you need to get her in this room. And so the lady came out, and she's crying. She said, ma'am, could I help you? And the lady turned around and said, no. She said, "Woo!" So most people would have stopped, but you've heard the word of God. Then a little bit, a few minutes, the lady's messing around and, and walking across the rain. And she said, ma'am, can I help you? And the lady said, no. She's like, oh, man. She said, finally, she'd come over on this side, and she wasn't that far away. She said, ma'am, could I help you? And the lady turned around and said, Yes. She went over there, she ministered to her, she was fixing to go kill herself. How many of us would be diligent enough to say three times? She came in, got ministered to, got born again, life changed. Whoo! Because we heard the wind of the Holy Ghost. We heard Jesus. See, the, the, the problem is the TV, all this stuff going on, it blocks off what God's saying. Revival is a time to get us alone with God and get us set in. I, I, I don't know if any of you watched Vicky's testimony she put on Facebook, but she said, and, and that was some of them that were here a couple of weeks ago, a month ago. She said, I don't even care about putting my makeup on. I just want Jesus. <laughs> Boy, that's a move of God right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, that's what we want. Amen. Woo, yeah. So he takes that blind man out there and spits in his eyes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I thought you was God. What are you doing spitting in my eyes? Then he says, Does you, do you see anything? He said, I see men like trees walking. So he prayed for him again. What do you see? After you've had one touch from God, what are you seeing? See, God wants us to keep getting in his presence till he opens our eyes that we can see the destiny of God. And a lot of times it don't just come with one. Well, God, I'm going to give you one chance here. If you don't totally radically change my life from the last 50 years, all the mess I put into it, in the next three minutes, I'm out of here. You know, he could do that, but it would probably so mess you up. It's good that God gradually at times takes us through the process because if he took us from A to Z all in one moment, we probably wouldn't be able to deal with ourselves. And then if it's that easy, we take advantage We'll be right back in the same mess we were in, and then we run back in the house of God. God, do it again. He said, no, it's going to cost you this time. I mean, I've seen people get totally delivered from drugs, have no desire for them at all. Six months later, they're with some friends or something, and say, oh, I can just do one. The next time they run up there, it's hell to pay. It don't just happen overnight. They got to deal with it and deal with it and press through it. It was so easy the first time. Why not this time? Because you took advantage of God's grace. 
Man, when God, when God gives us something that's precious, whoo, let's honor what he's given us. Let's count the value of what he's given us. God, you're giving us something wonderful. Wow. God, I cherish what you give. And I don't want anything to happen for the dove to fly. I mean, there's a difference between a dove and a pigeon. Doves are real skittish. I mean, anybody been dove hunting? They'll scare you to death when they take off. Or I guess that's quail, but dove some too. But anyway, I mean, pigeons, they'll be doing their chirping thing and stuff. There'll be a hundred of them around somebody, and they don't care if they're around you or not. If you're walking right in the middle of them, they'll just be all around chirping and going on. You can't scare them that easy. And see, the problem is a lot of Christians had a dove, and it left, and a pigeon landed on their shoulder. And it's squawking and going on, and you think, I got the dove with me. No, you got a pigeon. The dove left. So we got to walk a little different when the dove is on us. Amen. Woo. I don't want him to fly away. I want him to stay. Because, man, when he comes in, something's going to change. And God's no respecter of persons. He can take illiterate people. He can take poor people, rich people. Red, yellow, black, and white, male and female, because it's all about our hearts. God, what do you want to do right here? Let me have a clean hands and a pure heart. He's looking for people that will separate himself, separate themselves, consecrate themselves to God. Woo, it's okay. You know, I have friends, a lot of friends that thought I was crazy when I left the paper mail. I don't think there's anybody that didn't think I was crazy but me. Maybe God. And some of them were hunters and some of them were fishers, fishermen, commercial fishermen on the side. They did a lot of different things. I left and went and served at a little church. And then years later, I wind up in the bottom of the Grand Canyon, wind up in Alaska, Montana. I'm seeing grizzly bears. I'm seeing fish that every one of them would love to go catch one of these fish. And God's got me up here in the middle of them. and It's beautiful, but I really don't care. But, I mean, God took me places that a lot of people wanted to go, but they weren't willing to lay some stuff down. And God took me there. He took me there, and I wasn't even trying to get there. I mean, God's journey. A friend of mine used to have a poem about a tandem bicycle. And he's talking about when I was steering that bike, the roads were dull and boring and the road was hard. He said, but one day I got off and got on the back and I let Jesus get on the front and it changed everything. The journey was totally different. I was uphills and downhills and I saw stuff I'd never seen before. Man, God can take, especially if you're a young person, man, if you'll surrender now, God can take you around the world. Ruth Ward Heflin, when she went to China with this other young lady and um, they were going on the mission field. They were giving their lives. And I think she was maybe 18 years old. Got on a boat and sailed over there. Got with this other lady. And they were serving in China. And the lady said, aren't you excited that you can give your life to China? She said, no. 
The book of Psalms says he'll give me the nations. By the time she was 60, she had preached in every nation in the world. Woo! She'd stood before kings and princes and presidents. This Pentecostal, I mean, she was the Pentecostal woman. But God opened the doors that no man could open. Took her places no man could take her. And if we'll open ourselves up to the journey, woo, man. God, take me up the hill out of my normal comfort zone. Take me up the hill out of my normal comfort zone of church and what I'm normally used to, God, and do what you want to do, God. Open my eyes that I can see my destiny and my purpose, Lord God. Open my eyes, Lord. Show me your ways. Whatever you have to do in my life, do it, God. Shake everything that needs to be shaken, God. Turn me upside down. Dump me out if you have to, Lord God. Here I am, God. Use me. Don't pass me by, God. Don't pass me by. I'm, I'm not missing this trip. God, I'm going to jump out of the boat when everybody else got their life jacket on, got their head held down. I'm saying, Lord, bid me to come out there too. I'm going to get on that water. I don't care if I drowned or not. I'm fixing to get out there and walk. It's a risk. Woo! It's life. Life more abundantly. Christian life wasn't be meant, meant to be uh, lived in a closet somewhere. It's meant to live out in the open, out in the world. Being God's trophy case. God saying, look at my son. Look at my daughter here. Look at them. Look at them shining in the darkness. Look at the light they have. They took the bushel. They took the covering off their light. And now they're a city on a hill. Woo! God's saying, come on. I'm just looking for a few. It ain't going to take that many. I had a few that in Acts it said they came into town and these guys are turning cities upside down. An atheist wrote his doctoral degree on how did Christians who didn't have any money, they were slaves most of them, they didn't have an army, they didn't have political power or nothing else, how did they change Rome? An atheist. Most theologians say they changed Rome by their preaching, by Paul's preaching and other people's preaching, their eloquent preaching. This atheist researcher said, no, it wasn't their preaching. It's because those people that didn't have nothing, they went everywhere casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. Can you imagine? Here's what, here's, I didn't see, but here's how I imagine it. There's some little lady serving in this Roman senator's house. His wife gets sick. They've taken him to the doctors and all that stuff, and nothing can help. And finally, that little woman says, Sir, would it be okay if I prayed for her? He's desperate, so he says, Yeah, go ahead. She lays hands on mama, and she's healed. And he said, I got influence. I got power. I got money. I got a big house, but I ain't got that, and that's what I want. His house gets converted. Then another house. Their child's sick. And eventually, can I cast the demons out of them? Go ahead. Nobody else can help. And so they say, in the name of Jesus, loose them and let them go. And about that time, the sun sets down. They're free. They're eating. They're acting like a kid again. Daddy and mama said, we got all this, but we ain't got that. We want that. 
And it just eventually spread through their whole Roman Empire. Until in 325 A.D., the emperor declared Rome a Christian nation. Woo! It wasn't because of a big army. It wasn't because of nuclear warheads. It wasn't because they had some genius at the hand. It's because they had simple men and women of God who knew where they were, who were full of the Holy Ghost and power, and said, we're going to deal with this stuff. We're kicking the devil out. Can you imagine serving as servants in houses? It's about like Naaman. When they raided Israel and brought that slave girl home, and she said, there's a man down there. His name's Elisha. I mean, if I was that slave girl, most likely I would, I'm be saying, you die, sucker. How, how, how could a young 14 or 15-year-old kid be trained enough to know? How is the reputation of Elisha for this kid who's now been stolen away and taken into another nation? How would she know there's a man named Elisha? And if you get to him, your leprosy will be healed. Woo! It'll get around. If you can get to one of the people that go to that church. See, I, I think I want to have a church, I'm going to name it that church. Nobody knows the name, they just know it's that church. Woo! Come on. We can get us a t-shirt that says that church. <laughs> Where do you go? I go to that church. Everybody in town, oh yeah, that's them crazy people over there. They in church till midnight. When they come out, they drunk. They got to hire. Uh, they got to hire uh, Uber drivers to come get them to get them home because they can't drive. Mm. Woo. Yeah, but we're not drunk as you suppose. <laughs> We've been filled. It's running over. It's tripping out. It's gonna get on you. Woo. One more. Does anybody have a? Small bottle of oil, like put in your pocket. We're in a Pentecostal church. <laughs> oh, everybody's got big bottles. <laughs> oh, there we go. Now, do you have a big bottle? Everybody pulls out their purse. <laughs> Where's the big bottle? Oh, yeah. That'll do it. So. And this is pretty big, too. Most of the church, we just want a little dabble, do you? Just put a drop on my head so nobody can tell that I went to church and got a little anointing to get me through to Wednesday night. If I just get a little bit, that way nobody's going to offend it. Nobody's going to get upset. It won't get on nobody else. It's just my little drop of oil. I'll be happy, and I'll make it. But God says, really what I want to do is just pour this whole bottle in the Spirit. Because it'll run down. It's going to get, this bottle will saturate you. There won't be many places on you or your clothes that are not oily. Amen. Your hands, your head, your clothes, your jackets, your shoes. that are probably running in your shoes, in your socks, on your pants, every place you got. Everybody's going to know. When you leave here and go in the convenience store, <laughs> what happened to you? But the deal is, spiritually, if God would pour his oil on us 
So that when I get out, see if you had that right there, and you got in your car, your seat's saturated. Your handle's saturated. Your steering wheel's saturated. Your gear shifter's saturated. I mean, it's going to mess everything up. When you go to the convenience store, the door handle, when you open the door, when you get your bottle of uh, uh, apple juice, take it up there, and your water and your bananas. They're all going to be anointed. There's going to be oil. Get on the counter. Your money is going to have oil on it when you give it to the cash register. When you leave out, you're going to leave oil on the inside of the door. Now, when the next person comes along and touches that door, they're going to get oily. If they get around the bananas, they're going to get oily. If they get in the cabinet with the apple juice, they're going to get oily. When you go home and open your door, there's going to be oil in the door handle. There's going to be oil in the couch where you sit down at. There's going to be oil in the kitchen. There's going to be oil in the bedroom. You're leaving a residue everywhere you go so that people can't help but start, whoa, whoa. But you're going to look a little strange. With, but I believe God in the spirit realm can so pour his oil out on us that whatever we touch, I mean, even like these fire cloths, but door handles. When we walk into rooms, when we walk into a store or a restaurant, people are like, uh, we've had that happen. I mean, we've had it where, where uh, the waitresses didn't want to come in the section we were in. They were terrified. They'd look in there. They're trying to make each other. You go over there. I ain't going over there. You go over there. We were in Denny's. We had one whole section one time, Native American kids. And, I mean, some of them had their head in their plates. Some of them was falling out underneath the tables and stuff. And this guy, he'd look in the section. Oh, y'all okay? We're good. In Dulce, New Mexico, on a, native, on a reservation, in a motel, hotel, restaurant. I mean, they were backed up in the hall. They would not. They did not want to come out there. People ain't going to come up and put a gun in your face when that's going on. Amen? Come on. Whoa. See, that's what we're, we're not just pursuing after, you know, a little bit of pain's gone out of my leg tonight. We're pursuing after a reformation, an awakening, an outpouring. We're pursuing after the, and people ain't going to like, because what I'm going after on Facebook and stuff is the Holy Ghost needs to be front and center again in churches. Not three points, a poem, and a prayer, but the Holy Ghost needs to be. We don't need to be on some time limit again where I got 45 minutes to get these people in and out of here, make them happy, give them coffee and a donut. And so there's going to be a lot of people that, well, we got 50,000 people, you got 45, I don't care, hallelujah, we got Holy Ghost in the house. You can have your 50,000 people all you want to. It's sad you got 50,000 people and you ain't changing a city. You're trying to adapt to everything the city's doing. You're making everything they do okay. We're not called to adapt to the culture of the city. We're called to bring a different culture into the city. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the culture of heaven into a city. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. It's a mission. It's, a, it's, it's, it's not just about us making it by day by day. It's about us bringing transformation. It's about, we, you know, there's only three people in the Bible that Paul called soldiers. Timothy was one. Be a good soldier. Archippus, I believe his name, was another one. He's a soldier. Too many Christians have been on the cruise ship too long. 
I like going on a cruise ship every once in a while. I mean, you get on there, they make your bed every day. If you take a nap during the day, come back, they've made your bed again. I mean, they'll bring you a little fruit and lay it in there. They'll cook you breakfast, bring it to your room. You can go up and get the buffet. They serve you. And that's what the church has become. A service organization. You know, we expect to come in and be served. Generally, we've got a paid staff there that's to, there to take care of every need and provide entertainment for everybody. And if everybody in the family is not entertained, then we're going to find another place. JoJo's three years old, and he thinks we need to go down the road where we got a swing set. They ain't got no Holy Ghost, but they got a swing set. So we need to go with JoJo. No, we need to grow up and be parents. Tell JoJo to come here and set his rear end down on the pew and get some. It's fun to hear those people. I was raised up sleeping under the pew. People dancing all around, shouting, hollering, going on. Woo, come on. That's our next generation. It's transformation, reformation. Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses on the wall of the Catholic Church to bring reformation. That was the birth of the Protestant movement. What's going to be the birth of the Holy Ghost movement? Azusa Street was somewhat, but it didn't fulfill what God wanted to do. I believe God's bringing it now, fulfillment. I mean, they call it apostolic faith mission. They were headed in the right direction. I believe God keeps giving us opportunities. and He's going to find a generation that will take it in the right direction and keep running with it. He's looking for places to pour out his spirit. He's looking for places to come and settle down and have his dwelling place in those houses, those that will steward what he's doing and give him glory and honor and praise and make him preeminence and first place in all things and move as the cloud moves. Get up and go when the cloud goes. Settle down when the cloud settles down. Do what he's saying to do. Light us up. Serve the Lord. Not just be served. So we're moving from, we're exiting the cruise ship. We're getting off the ship. They're carrying our bags out and everything. And now we've went down to the, uh, off, uh, to the uh, enlistment center. We've signed our name on the line that just said we joined the Marine Corps. We're going through boot camp. Then we're getting on a battleship. Instead of having your own room, there'll be four of you sleeping on bunks in one room. Amen. Got detail every day, something you got to do. But bless God, when that thing shows up someplace, they're fixing to blow it up. Wouldn't it be better to be on a battleship chasing the enemy than a cruise ship getting chased by the enemy? Whoo, come on. Man, what's it worth to ride the white horse into town? Hey, what's it worth to, to be a, you know, one of God's heroes? Mighty men, mighty women, what's it worth? What's it worth to change history and destiny? You know, it's amazing to me. That if you read the Hall of Faith, where it talks about Moses, and it talks about David, and it talks about the mighty men of God. And it's amazing Where every one of them, it's like Abraham by faith left, no, Moses by faith left the riches of Egypt, went out in the desert because he saw a better thing coming. 
And it talks about Moses have been a positive light. It talks about Abraham in a positive light. Everybody it mentions in there, it mentions all the things they've done and above. Because Moses was terrified when he left Egypt. He ran because he killed somebody. He was terrified out in the desert. He was a mess. But when God rewrote his history, he said he was a man of faith. He left Egypt because he saw the riches of Christ. So whatever's happened in your past, the glory of the Lord can rewrite your history and make it a brand new story. The enemy wants to bring your past up, but God wants to bring up your present and your future saying, I can erase all that mess you made and I can change it over. When you get to heaven, you're going to have a whole new story. It's going to be looking good. You're going to come out of this thing looking good. That's grace and mercy right there. He ain't looking at none of the mess you made. It's wiped away. The blood washed it away. Woo! Ha ha! Hallelujah. So, Lord, tonight, God, I just want you to pour your oil on us, Lord. Just pour it out on us, Lord. God, we're here to say a little dab just won't do anymore. God, pour it out. Pour it out, God. Whatever it costs my reputation. I want to see, God. If you got to lead me out of my comfort zone, take me up on a hill somewhere. God, I want to see what's going on. I want, I want to see what's happening in the Spirit, God. I want to know these things by the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be empowered by the Spirit. I want demons to tremble when I walk by, God. You call me to be a light in this world, God, and I want you to turn up my voltage, Lord. It may draw the bugs. It's okay. When they fly in, they're going to get stung. I want to fulfill my destiny to be a son or daughter of God. I don't want to miss my watch, God. This is my watch. You put me in this location, Lord God. This is my city. I'm responsible for what happens to my neighbors. I'm responsible for the drugs and the alcohol. I'm responsible for the sin that's going on. It's time for the light of heaven to be turned on in this place. God, if religious people get upset, it's okay. Hallelujah. I'm not concerned with what they got to say. I'm concerned with what you got to say. All I want to hear is the Lord is the words that says, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm here for, God. That's what I'm living for, God. Well done. Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Woo! Lord, search my heart. Let's just bow our heads for a minute. Search my heart, God. Know my ways, God. If there's anything hidden that I've got hidden away that I don't want anybody to see. And Jesus started declaring when he was going to the cross, he said, Satan's come, but he don't have nothing on me. He don't have to have anything on you. When you're clean and washed by the blood of Jesus, he don't have nothing on you. I mean, he's like a bully at times. He wants to have some secrets and threatens you. He blackmails you. I'm going to tell everybody, if you go after God, I'm going to expose your life's I'm going to expose you to everybody. Well, guess what, devil? I'm just going to expose myself. Confess your sins one to another. I'm just going to expose myself right now. Hallelujah. I don't care. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's a power of God unto the salvation of men. Lord, I just 
confess my stuff right now because I don't want that devil to have nothing on me. He ain't slowing me down. He ain't putting no bricks and no chains. When I jump off that boat into that water, I'm not sinking to the bottom because there ain't no weights and there ain't no chains of sin on me any longer. I'm going to walk on water. Woo! Hey! So ask him, search my heart, God. Know my ways. God, if I've been complacent, forgive me, Lord. If I failed to speak when you tell me to speak, forgive me, Lord. Father, I rebuke condemnation. God, God's not a, he's not a, it's not a spirit of condemnation. It's just, Lord, search me. If there's something there, forgive me, Lord. Wash it away. Cleanse me. Purify me. Refine me, God. I can't do everything. I don't have every gift, every calling, but I can do my part, God. I can hear from heaven and do what you're asking me to do. It may be making money for the kingdom, financing things that are going on. It may be volunteering in different places. It may be going to foreign nations. God, I ask for your voice to speak clearly in our hearts tonight. God, you begin to draw us close to those things that you desire of us, that you have built us for, that you have, have birthed us for, God. The destiny and the plans. I know the plans that I have for you. He knows the plans that he has for you. God, that we fulfill everything that you would have us to do while we're on this earth. God, raise up an army like the media hadn't seen yet, like the new age hadn't seen yet, like the Satan worshipers hadn't seen yet. Like the drug houses hadn't seen yet. Like the cartels haven't seen yet. Like the gangs haven't seen yet, God. Raise up an army, God. Raise up an army, Lord. Like the church hadn't seen yet. Like the government hasn't seen yet. Children that will go in schools and prophesy over teachers, God. Raise up men and women that will have inventions that will change things, God. They will have dreams and visions of things, God. And to bring them to pass. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.